truck and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Wednesday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show, live and on demand on The Blaze. I am Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here with me as well. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. You can like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. For those of you listening today on Blaze Radio or via the podcast on demand, last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. Coming up later today, we're going to play our favorite weekly game known as Buy, Sell, or Hold. Also, our weekly prophet of woe and lamentation, Daniel Horowitz, will be joining us here at the bottom of the hour. Uh, a truth bomb coming your way and much, much more here today on The Blaze. And if you are listening to us today via podcast, if you haven't done so yet, if you would leave us a five-star review, maybe uh, click that subscribe button. We would greatly appreciate it. And thank you to all of you that have already done both of those things. One of the things we love to do here at The Blaze is support worthwhile causes like Back to Jerusalem. And theirs is one of the most worthwhile causes of them all. That's trying to get the Word of God into places that are called closed countries, where they don't want to let the light and hope that comes from God's word into their country because these are oppressive regimes that want to continue to oppress their people. Uh, Countries like China, where Back to Jerusalem is located, in fact. Uh, Iran, uh, Somalia, North Korea. So one of the things they've uh, come up with is uh, a clever little way to be wise as a serpent by sneaking the word of God into these countries, by taking the actual Bible and shrinking it down into a size that makes it a little bit easier to slip it past the goalie. If this is a project you would like to support. They're asking us uh, to help them give 10,000 of such Bibles to these closed nations. If you want to support this, it's a really, it's it's a minimal ask. 15 bucks, that's what it costs for you and a loved one or somebody you like to go to a fast food lunch today. That's all it takes to put to take the Word of God to these closed countries. If you want to help, go to blazehelp.org. That's blazehelp.org. Or you can give them a call at 844-305-0566. That's 844-305-0566. And now here's Aaron with a rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by the worst take ever. Seth Mandel says Jesse Smollett royally messed up in what's beginning to look more like a cry for help than anything else. I don't see how sending him to prison accomplishes that, so I hope he doesn't reach that point. Speaking of bad takes, former FBI Deputy Director Andrew McCabe was uh, forced to clarify some comments he made last week about an attempted coup against Donald Trump invoking the 25th Amendment. His publicist did that clarification for him. But yesterday, he was back at it. Play a devil's advocate on this. It looks like it was an attempt to lash out at Trump, who had just fired your boss. Uh, Do you actually believe that Russians ordered Trump to fire Comey? Well, we don't know, um, and we certainly didn't know that at the time. Lawyers representing Nick Sandman announced yesterday they're suing the Washington Post for $250 million. He was the young man at the center of the Covington Catholic controversy. The Trump administration announced the launch of a global campaign to end the criminalization of homosexuality in dozens of nations where it's illegal. Trump's plan to decriminalize homosexuality is an old racist tactic. You got me. Roger Stone had to apologize to the judge in his case for making what appeared to be a threat against her on Instagram. That sentence is a sentence that would never, ever, 
ever be formed in a healthy culture. Lara Logan went off the reservation over the weekend. Um, and the media everywhere is mostly liberal, not just in the US. But in this country, 85% of journalists are registered Democrats. So that's just a fact, right? No one's registering Democrats when they're rarely a Republican. So the facts are on the side of what you just stated. Most journalists are, are left or liberal or Democrat or whatever word you want to give it. How do you know you're being lied to? How do you know you're being manipulated? How do you know there's something not right with the coverage? When they simplify it all, and there's no gray. There's no gray. Mm. It's all one way. Well, life isn't like that. If it doesn't match real life, it's probably not something's wrong, mm. right? So, um, for example, you know, all the coverage on Trump all the time is negative. There's nothing, there's, there's nothing, uh, no mitigating policy or event or anything that has happened since he was elected that is out there in the medias that you can read about, right? Well, that tells you that's distortion of the way things go in real life. Because although the media has always been, historically, always been left-leaning, we've abandoned um, our, our pretense or at least the effort to be objective today. The former executive editor of the New York Times has a book coming out, Jill Abramson, and she says we would do, I don't know, dozens of stories about Trump every single day, and every single one of them was negative. She said, we, be, we have become the anti-Trump paper of record. Well, that's not our job. That's a political position. That means we've become political activists, in a sense, and some could argue propagandists, mm -hmm. right? And there's some merit to that. Speaking of going off the reservation, former women's tennis superstar and self-described lesbian Martina Navratilova wrote an op-ed for the Sunday Times in which she described letting men who feel pretty compete in women's events as insane and that it's cheating. Of course, a U.S.-based LGBTQ organization by the name of Athlete Alley has cut ties with her because that lesbian just ain't woke enough. And finally, I want you to take what I'm about to say very seriously. The following video perfectly sums up Americana and the American dream. Excuse me, it's ma'am. It is ma'am. Y'all bigots and critics, I got a thing or two to say to you. So give this chick a minute, I'ma take the bike away from you. They got a thing to prove while millions of people talking Watch it, tip the game, stop, break off the Intentionally misgendered once, you're gonna get corrected. Do it twice, I'm disrespected. Only in America can a person, a man who feels pretty, walk into a GameStop, knock over her display, get mad, and then create his own rap video that got over a half million views criticizing those who misgendered him. Truly a great country. And that's what happened while we were away. It's not a psychosis. Aaron's Montage brought to you by our friends at realestateagentsitrust.com. If you are buying or selling a home this year, uh, you want to check out Real Estate Agents I Trust. This is a company Glenn Beck and uh, his uh, friends started a few years ago. Tired of real estate agents that talked a good game but then didn't deliver when it mattered the most. Uh, if you don't want that to happen to you, this is one of the most stressful things you'll ever do in life. Uh, particularly if you're doing the buy on one end and the sell on the other. I, I tried to pull that trick once. 
and I had a good agent, but I, I, I vowed the Johnny dangerously once, once I'll never do it again. All right. So, uh, if you don't have a good agent, good luck. Don't let that be you. Uh, this is different than your typical referral service, which is trying to line up agents with clients. In this case, this is trying to screen for the right agent for you, the client. It's about empowering you, the customer. These are screened, vetted agents, and you're going to find them only at realestateagentsitrust.com. That's realestateagentsitrust.com. Um, let's start at the top. Uh if, if, if Mr. Small, and how's his first name pronounced? Is it Jussie? What is it? Jussie. Jussie. Okay. Jesse. Is it, uh, what, what? Jussie. I don't know. Jesse. I'm asking. I didn't hear, I've never Jussie. heard of this guy until last week. I didn't know, I didn't have a clue who he was. Okay. So whoever this guy is, Yanny. if he fabricated this hoax as it, it overwhelmingly appears, throw him in a hole and then throw away the hole. Enough. Enough. And and what Seth Mandel is arguing there isn't compassion. It's gullibility. It's yeah, naivete. It's, it's virtue signaling. Yes, it's exactly what it is. That's exactly signaling. what it is. Yeah. Smollett is not a victim. We are. We're the victims here. And enough, it, to me, this is the same thing as the McCabe thing. I am totally fine with Mike Flynn. I don't, I, I don't believe Mike Flynn was a victim. I don't buy that crap at all. This guy was was the national security advisor, and he can so so we were going to hire him to help us defeat ISIS, and he can't stand up to the U.S. Attorney's Office. No, hell no, I don't buy it at all. So I'm fine with him going to prison. I'm fine with Michael Cohen going to prison. I'm fine with Paul Manafort. I was fine with Paul Manafort going to prison before Trump hired him, actually. I thought he was a fiend beforehand. Told you that if you go back and find our podcast at the time. So I'm fine with all them going to prison. I'm fine. McCabe, prison. Prison. Prison? You get a prison sentence, and you get a prison sentence, and you get a prison sentence. Prison sentence is all. Because here's the thing, man. This is this is the this is the closing uh, monologue of of Al Pacino's John Milton character at the end of The Devil's Advocate. We're just flooding the system now, where no one's guilty. If you meet if you meet a particular victimology group, and the victimology group isn't even intersectional. It is if you're in my political tribe. If I worked with you at the State Department, if I liked some of your foreign policy views, this isn't, this isn't fair. It's not fair. Let me tell you what fair is. You get a prison sentence and you get one and you get one. Come one, come all. There's plenty of room in the prisons. Goodbye. Thank you. This is a time for justice. All right. Justice. You want compassion? Justice is compassion for the people that were victimized by your injustices. Enough. Put Mike Flynn in prison for sucking then, as far as I'm concerned. So your the alternative uh, definition is uh, you know, that, that he allowed himself to get bullied and railroaded to ruin his career. Uh, yeah, that, okay. yeah. You get a prison sentence for being a dumbass. Dumb prison. Dumb. Got enough. Got enough dumb? Got enough corrupt? Everybody that's dumb and corrupt, prison. Thanks. Make license plates. Okay. So McCabe should have been dragged right off of that set on The View. And bounded and gagged and sent and, and 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 tarred and feathered on his way to a prison. All right, everybody prison. James Comey prison. Prison for them all. Any disagreements? Can I get a second? I think Second-ish. you locked that one up tight. All right, prison. Here's my solution from now on. Prison. That's my solution. Prison. 
Steve, we need a mic up. Prison. We need a mic up. Prison. Roger Stone, prison. Jesse. Jesse Smollett, prison. Andrew McKay, prison. Don't even get the word out. Don't even, don't even finish the name. My default answer from now on is prison. Prison. F- prison for one. Prison for all. Okay? All for prison. Prison for all. That, that, that's got a nice ring to it, right? It kind of has a, an esprit de corps, don't you think? Prison and prison and prison. And you guys can all just ideologically bugger each other to oblivion there while you're there in prison. Prison. The guy, the guy with the fake racism, uh, fake Vietnam vet for the Covington Catholic hit, prison. Prison. It's a glorious place where we put morons, scam artists, con men, and criminals. Prison. Open the gates. Send them in. Send them, send them your criminal, your criminal, your malfeasant, your corrupt, and your dumb. Put a statue, in fact, in front of the U.S. Bureau of Prisons. I send us your you near to wells. Huh? I see what you did there. You see what I did there? Yeah. Send them all. Prison. You guys all. Roger Stone. Prison for being a moron. You put a threat to a federal judge on your Instagram. Yeah. Remember when I told you this guy was no mastermind? This is a wannabe. Okay, this is a wannabe. The head of the Gambino crime family doesn't threat the judge on Instagram. He's a 66-year-old man on Instagram. That should be a crime in and of itself. These aren't masterminds. They're morons. One and all. And you know what? We used to have debtor's prison, moron prison. And I'm thinking life sentences. I thought you I'm said totally we were... okay with it. That's a, that's a taxpayer expenditure. Sign me up. In fact, I'm fine if we just go over to the photocopier over there at the U.S. Mint and just photo and just print off a whole bunch of new money dollar bills for moron prison. Moron prison. And it's for life. Thank you. Remember you said we're starting at the top? No, we're starting at the bottom. It's all bottom. There's no top. <sighs> okay. We're going to talk later today on the roundtable about the Washington Post lawsuit from uh, Nathan Sandman's attorneys. Uh, because we need, it's clear we need some incentivization, some, uh, some form of penalty for this level of, of malfeasance we continue to see. Is this the right road to go down? And would any lesson be learned anyway? Should said penalty actually be enforced? We'll talk about that later today on the roundtable exclusively at The Blaze for our subscribers. Um, Lara Logan and her story, I think a lot of what's in that montage, we probably, uh, from her, it, it, we covered yesterday and is really reinforcement of the stuff we talked about at this time yesterday. Let me give you though just a little back, a little background on her. Uh, this, this is a, an award-winning journalist. She's won Emmys. Uh, she was sexually assaulted during her coverage. I think it was uh, the Arab Springs toppling of Mubarak Egypt, in, yeah. in Egypt, right? Okay. 2011. Yeah, she was sexually assaulted there when uh, Obama's buddies there at the Muslim Brotherhood got rid of Hosni Mubarak. Okay, so this is, this is not, again, a kook. This is not someone that can easily be, you know, thrown out as a click servity hack. I don't even know what the woman's politics are, frankly. Uh, she used to be the chief foreign correspondent for CBS News. 
Again, this is so this isn't some low level person either whose career has gone downhill and now she's looking for an opportunity. You know, like we have a tendency on the right. You know, I I, I was in Clueless for 10 minutes and it's the only show I was ever on. So let me pretend to be a Republican and be on Fox News every night. We like to do that on the right. You know, we we like our uh, our our Q list celebrities. We're being affirmed by Hollywood. Yeah, we love we love to find Q list celebrities uh, that that said something that wasn't communist once, and they get book deals and uh, movie contracts, and they become Fox News contributors. We love to do that. New okay? conservative hero trademark. Yes, we love that. Okay, this isn't that. This woman was the chief foreign correspondent for one of the uh, one of the major news uh, agencies. Uh, and organizations on planet Earth, okay? Uh, She was recognized for her work by her peers. So this isn't like any of that whatsoever. Uh, And this is is someone that is very, that essentially is saying, I've had enough and someone needs to say something. It's very reminiscent of what Bernard Goldberg did 15, 20 years ago. And and when when he wrote his book, Bias, and I, at the time, I worked for the Iowa Cubs when that book came out, the uh, the AAA affiliate for the Chicago Cubs. And uh, the team was owned by Michael Gartner, the former head of NBC News. And he was head of NBC News when they had the exploding gas tank thing at GM. And I don't remember what his role or if any in that was. I don't know. I just remember he was president while that was going on. But he also hired like Katie Couric and things of that nature. Very respected in the journalism community. And I remember him and I used to discuss Bernard Goldberg's book. And he just didn't buy it at all. Didn't think any of this said bias existed. That was 2002. So, I mean, that's almost 20 years ago now. So I think what Laura Logan is doing is just the next step of that, all right? And and she's confirming for you what we talked about yesterday. I mean, when she says, you can tell you're being manipulated when they make every, things that require nuance easily cut and dry because that's narrative casting. That's not, that's not newscasting. But there's another part of the, the, the montage I think we need to spend the remainder of the time discussing here. And it's the Martina Navratilova story. And it actually ties in to everything we, we've talked about for the last couple of years. And it even ties into the, another story in the montage that Aaron mentioned. Uh, and this is the effort of the Trump administration to, uh, to, to launch a global initiative for countries to cease making um, homosexuality illegal. These stories are all tied together, and they're all tied together by something you've heard me say for years if you've been loyal to this show or you've heard about us before others did, that progressivism is a cult. And yesterday we talked about the difference between an opponent and an enemy, okay? Martina Navratilova, for those of us that believe in the moral foundations of Western civilization, she is an opponent, she has opposed us in numerous countries on the marriage issue. She has um, even called for tennis stars from countries that have not legalized um, essentially the redefinition of marriage uh, and won't speak out about it. She's called on them to do so. She is an activist on this issue. She's probably the most decorated lesbian uh, athlete in human history. I mean, we, we forget if, if you weren't alive in the, in the 80s, 
and you didn't follow tennis. We're, we're talking about this was Serena Williams before Serena Williams. Um, and she destroyed a lot of these women. I mean, these matches in many cases weren't even entertaining. They were buzzsaws. She was that much better than everybody else. And while there may have been whispers about Billie Jean King's sexual proclivities in the 70s, Martina Navratilova was, was a pioneer in outing herself as gay. She is, she is not a supporter of a lot of the causes that we would advocate on shows in, like this in places here at The Blaze. And now she's being told because she won't take the final step from moral ambiguity to moral insanity. Like the rap video that Aaron played there at the end of the montage. Because Martina Navratilova won't look at that video and say, yeah, I think that's exactly where the future needs to head. Because she won't take that final step. She's, she's embraced their moral ambiguity right to the brink, right to the edge. And now they're saying to people like her, the next generation, the next generation of these activists who essentially are, are profiting off or drafting off of her exhaust from, from, from the, the groundwork that activists like her laid. I would guess... Long before Ellen outed herself, Martina Navratilova was probably the first open lesbian most Westerners ever rooted for and looked beyond what they may have morally disapproved to applaud um, her exploits, her merits. And now the next generation, instead of building on, on, on her, the ground that she has broken, they are telling her now. That if she is not willing to go cross over from moral ambiguity into flat out moral insanity. Basically, they're saying to her, we want less rainbow and more jihad and the rainbow jihad. That's what they're telling her. Then she's not woke enough and she has to go. So a couple of points on this. If, if they're going to do this to Martina Navratilova, what do you think they're going to do to you and me? If they're doing this to essentially their George Washington, what are they going to do to you? Given the chance. Think about that. Then I want you to also think about this. This is how you know it's a cult and not a political movement. And, and see, cults always, always end up punishing those Within the compound, they claim to be the most benefiting. And it always happens when somebody or a group of someone's within the compound begin to think critically. See, Martina Nadevratilova really believes all that egalitarian feminist horsepucky. She believes it. And that's why she's looking at this and saying, why are we letting men take away opportunities for women? She really bought the propaganda. This was never about feminism or anything of that nature. This was always about undoing Western civilization. That's what it was always about, by any means necessary. And once this victim class has exhausted its usefulness, we just move on to the next.
So Martina Devratilova has exhausted her usefulness now. So she will be discarded. Despite all of the water she has carried for this movement for decades. If they're going to do this to her, what will they do to you? Now, see, if they were a political movement, here's what they would do. And I don't have a problem saying this out loud because they won't do it. They can't do it. It goes against their very fiber and DNA. If they were a real political movement, here's what they would have done with Trump's announcement yesterday. Every one of these major news outlets that are hostile to Trump would have booked Tony Perkins, Jerry Falwell Jr., Robert Jeffress, just pick a name, Paula White, and said, what are your thoughts? Put them in an impossible situation. What are your thoughts about Trump being the first U.S. president to launch a global gay rights initiative? And ask the question like that. Ask it like that. And, and put these folks that have clowned themselves to shill for Trump in the past, there's other names I've probably forgotten, put them in an impossible catch-22. It's an impossible catch-22. There's no way out of the argument. You're going to have to either oppose your fearless leader or you're going to have to say that um, you back him even at the expense of blank. Oh, I know there's nuanced answers. It's one thing to say homosexuality is sinful. It's another thing to say it's criminal. I know that, okay? None of the people I've talk, I'm talking about have shown any capability for that kind of nuance, however. Have you seen any of that kind of nuance from any of the people I just mentioned? Not no, really. No. no. So they're going to get boxed in. They're going to get totally boxed in and put them in an impossible situation politically and force them to clown themselves. None of them are going to do that. Instead, what they're going to do is one of the leading, and there's no such thing as gay rights. And there's no such thing as black rights. We don't do rights of groups in our system. That's a, that's a fallacy. We have individual rights. Rights of individuals given to us by God. That's the American system. Okay? We don't have group identity rights. That's a scam. Don't, don't use any of that language. Okay? So we're going to have one of the publications that's been the leading a leading proponent of this scam of these group, particular group rights is now going to say instead of doing what I suggested now that would be that's that's how you really politically box people in that's how you really start splitting people's bases and divide and conquer at that point but they won't do that instead they're now going to argue against their own stated positions because Trump see those work that's what cults do cults can't think cults do not think critically Cults can't abandon the group think no matter what because it's the group think that is the basis for their identity in the first place. So they can't entertain strategy. This is why they scream and yell. This is, this is, this, the whole Republicans pounce meme, the pouncers are on the left. This is why they fling, you know, tampons at Texas lawmakers when they're passing pro-life legislation. This is why they act out. That's what a cult does. A cult doesn't reason. You ever stopped and tried to speak to a Lyndon LaRouche supporter in the airport? Could be a real short conversation. You either, you either buy the talking points or you're out. Okay? That's what you're dealing with. Cults have groupthink. 
political movements have strategies. And in this case, you saw the perfect illustration. Martina Navratilova is an opponent of your values and ideology. And yesterday you learned who within her movement are your enemy. That if you dare carve out any niche of critical thinking at all, you must be shunned and banished. That's how a cult behaves. And Martina Naratilova was victimized by the very cult that frankly she helped to give legitimacy to by attaching her athletic achievements and exploits to it. This is your classic man bites dog story or the tail wagging the dog. And there's going to be more of these. This is a stupid time to be alive. And it's going to get dumber, much dumber. Because the fool says in his heart, there is no God. And so once we've gone down this road, the only other options we have are to become increasingly foolish. Our good friend Daniel Horowitz will join us next. We'll go inside politics with our weekly prophet of woe and lamentation next year, live and on demand on The Blaze. Stay tuned. Homeowners, beware. A data breach just exposed 24 million of you to potential home title fraud. That's a crime that could cost you your home, maybe uh, including all the equity within that home as well. So if you have a mortgage, a refi, or a HELOC through a major bank, this breach may have put you at risk of losing every dollar of equity you've put up in your home until now, maybe even the home itself. Do not let that happen to you now that the data, these scammers have the data they need to claim to be you and go on to a county accessor, recorder site, forge your signature, and voila, before you know it, the bills start coming, the late notices, maybe the eviction notice because they have refiled your name or your home under their name, uh, and uh, although claiming to be you, and now they've liquidated all of the equity in that home as well. Maybe they've put forth a refi, sticking you with the payments. Uh, you know, your bank won't protect you. If you have a major bank uh, that your mortgage or HELOC is through them, they won't protect you. Uh, identity theft protection, which you should have, uh, doesn't protect you either. But for pennies a day, Home Title Lock will. And you can check now to see if you're already a victim. Go to HomeTitleLock.com, register for a free title scan and report. That's normally a $100 value, but it is free today to our family at The Blaze via HomeTitleLock.com. Let's go to our weekly prophet of woe and lamentation. Daniel Horowitz joins us now. Good to see you, my friend. How are you? We're doing all right. Hey, we got another another government shutdown today. Tell us about it. I, I love shutdowns. Well, there's, uh, let's see, two, inches, two, two to three inches of snow. So we're <laughs> shut down. You think it's funny. It's all nice. shut down. Nice, nice. But you know, look. Let's face it. No, I mean, I got to give them credit. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, I mean, she is one tough cookie. Two, three inches of snow ain't shutting her down. I mean, that's one branch of government that never shuts down. It, we had another, uh, you mentioned the Supreme Court. Uh, they had a ruling on the death penalty yesterday. Our mutual friend, Josh Hammer, over the Daily Wire, uh, wrote a piece about this, uh, which you and I both shared. I've got it up on our Facebook page right now. And for people that don't know this, Josh just spent the last year clerking for a federal judge. 
All right. So this is this isn't an ideologue from the outside like you and me on this, you know, uh, that are, you know, essentially waving the placard, bring out your dead about the judiciary. This is a guy from inside the judiciary who's saying, by the way, those guys are right. Bring out your dead. We need to end this. Tell us about what happened at the Supreme Court yesterday with our new conservative hero, Brett Kavanaugh. So basically, to sum up the first couple of months of Brett Kavanaugh, which is really the first number of years of John Roberts, Roberts is the new Kennedy. Kavanaugh is the new Roberts. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So let's break that down. Meaning, let's meaning every 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 borderline decision now, like we used to say with Anthony Kennedy, some he was the almond joy. Sometimes you feel like a nut. Sometimes yeah. you don't. Right. So you, you, it depends on what side of the bed John Roberts wakes up on. He's the new Anthony Kennedy now. No, exactly. So, so what's happening is the two of them, Roberts to a stronger degree, Kavanaugh to a certain degree, and we'll get into the specifics. They are assiduously enforcing bad liberal Supreme Court precedent that they supposedly were supposed to overturn upon good lower courts like the fifth where Josh uh, clerked, by the way. And at the same time, they're not even loosely enforcing good longstanding precedent on plenary power of immigration enforcement by the president and Congress on the bed lower courts, right? So that's the hypocrisy. A lot of your listeners have seen uh, for quite some time where there's this pattern. The lower courts just uh, have the most outlandish political rules of standing, of ripeness, of what is justiciable. Uh, You could sue anything. The courts control the border, national security policy, you name it, they control it. And literally in Trump v. Hawaii, John Roberts himself just wrote an opinion. The president's all uh, into that, by the way, how he won. And then the lower courts are overturning that. There's new lawsuits. The president doesn't have the power and they're coming back for more. All right. So maybe it's just a passive thing from him. He's just passively uh allowing these bad lower court decisions to stand what we're seeing now with several abortion cases and now this death penalty case is that he's now actively reaching down to the lower courts to aggressively take any appeal or overturning of judgment of a good fifth circuit court court opinion so all this talk about hey trump's appointing a record number of judges again A lot of them are not in the circuits where we need it, but even in the circuits where we don't need it and we already have conservative panels like in the Fifth Circuit, Roberts is there to overturn it. So Roberts is now actively a Kennedy where he is uh, uh, just siding with the left and Kavanaugh is gradually doing this passive old Roberts stick, although yesterday he joined with Roberts to overturn a slam dunk death penalty case by saying, oh, no, the person, there's evidence the person wasn't fit to stand uh, for the death penalty um, when that's now become the new cottage industry. So essentially, we've lost 40-year battles overnight in the courts with uh, Republican-appointed judges. You used a word a minute ago, standing. And I, I think this is really important for our audience to understand what this term means in this context, because we're we're at a time right now where... There's never been more of a of a bull market for content like what we are producing here at The Blaze and other outlets are doing than right now. Um, our audiences across the, are comprehensively growing. But 
while there is a market for this content, and you're even seeing uh, more overtly conservative themes uh, in mainstream movies, and we've talked about that on this show as well in recent years, there is no political standing. We, we have no, if, unless we can, frankly, unless we can get Donald Trump to stay focused for five minutes, we have no means by which to take at these, these massive audiences that so many of us, so many of our platforms are accumulating, we have no means by which to channel them into an instrument of political activism. Ha they have no representation. There's no party, no, no body of government representing them. Are you with me on this so far? Okay. So yep. explain to me, like I, I get why Democratic governors and mayors who would be asked to enforce Trump's national declaration or emergency, I get why they would have standing to go into federal court and sue the president. All right. I'm not saying I agree with them. That's not what I'm, we're talking about. But but they are direct in, directly responsible in the line of enforcement of this edict. So it's pretty obvious they would have standing to sue uh, on, on the grounds that the edict they're being asked to enforce isn't constitutional, moral, legal, et cetera. Explain where an amorphous organism like the ACLU has standing. Where, where, does, where does an organization like the ACLU have standing at any point and at any time on any issue to walk into a federal court and say, we're bringing a suit against this particular policy, executive order, statute? Where do they get their standing from? So a California judge said recently um, when a caravan now has standing to sue to break into the country – because the ACLU and similar organizations get standing on their behalf because, you see, by Trump issuing some sort of executive policy, it makes them spend more time and divert resources towards studying the issue for their potential clients. So it affects them and therefore they could do it. So here at The Blaze, you know what we can do now? Um, anything we don't like right. from Mitch McConnell, right. from – Nancy Pelosi, we have to spend more. I mean, you know, you know how busy why I can't, am. Why, why can't the Blaze file a lawsuit against the state of New York's new uh, infanticide policy? Why can't we do that? We have stand because now we have to learn the details. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have to learn the details, and you know, now I have ten issues to cover instead of five. I mean, it stretches me pretty thin. We have a small staff here. I mean, you have to realize this is not a some Soros outlet. We don't have unlimited funds. Uh, but no, I mean, there is literally no end to it. Except, you know what's funny, Steve? Somehow that never happens when it comes to conservative groups. Somehow no state or individual or law enforcement could get standing to sue when states or feds are violating immigration law mm -hmm. and flooding us with the cascading effects. I just had on my show an hour ago a county commissioner in Hidalgo County, New Mexico. That's the boot heel of New Mexico that's being invaded per capita with more illegals than anywhere in the border. It is straining every aspect of their services, the healthcare, the diseases, the crime, the drugs, you name it. But you wouldn't even think of certain things like now they have to have their one county official do all the autopsies on the dead bodies on the ranches or all the roads that are being – the dirt roads that are being torn up by Border Patrol – now their residents can't travel to the store on them. They're all messed up, and they don't get reimbursed for it. Somehow, we the people could never use the courts. The, our grievances are usually called speculative. 
um, and we don't get standing. So why so but, why why doesn't a Mark Krikorkian of a group like his or a Numbers USA just walk into federal court there, the district that covers uh, the state of New Mexico, and file a lawsuit the way the ACLU does against us in every state at any time we attempt to do anything conservative at all? Why don't they do that? Because the judiciary is a one-way street and a dead end for us. Yeah. The other side always has home field advantage. Um, we're always the away team. We'll get booed no matter what. They'll get cheered no matter what. And this is what our people don't understand. It's 50 years of drinking coffee with a fork with the judiciary. 50 years of this quicksand where the more you invest in it, the more it gets worse and the more you lose. All right, well, now we got a new guy. Oh, well, no, no. So, oh, but, but Ruth Bader Ginsburg might retire. They just don't get it. They just don't get it that the left long ago rigged a game of judicial supremacy of heads they win, tails they win. And the minute you countenance this notion that of judicial supremacy, which Trump did amazingly, he has one executive bullet to fire in his gun, the political capital he has he could expend on. I'm, I agree with Clarence Thomas. Nationwide injunctions are nonsense. That would actually cut to the core. Meaning that a, a federal judge from you know Alaska can issue a national injunction on a on a federal statute a for all fifty states, for example, yeah. uh, on a border policy. That is the center central problem that has spawned the invasion. It was Judge Sabra's order that everyone has to be released if they come with a kid, and then the parents need to be released. Then we at Conservative Review we plotted on a graph the migration since last July when he issued that order. It's a straight line up. Everyone's forgotten what has caused this. It is unimaginable the effects from such an illegal thing that is unconstitutional. Trump could assert that. Instead, he just uses his executive authority to gradually build a couple miles of fencing here and there when that's downstream from the main executive problem and the courts. And anyway, he says, Uh, And it's going to go to the courts and they're going to join it and we're going to win the Supreme Court. So he legitimizes it Mm -hmm. when that is the core problem. I am telling you, it all comes back to this issue. We have a government shutdown. We have the shutdown of every branch of government. And, and, you know, a lot of these libertarians are like, you know, I believe in Article One. I don't like this executive power. All right. You know, I mean, I think we all agree there's there's problems with executive power. But why is there no concern about Article 3, the third on the totem pole, that the judiciary just controls everything? Nobody is even questioning the fact that maybe this is not a gestatiable issue. Maybe it's not something you can take See, that, to court. See, that's, that's my concern with – with the strategy of signing this budget and it and that and, and it's a long-term budget it's nearly the entire year that's yeah. my concern with sh- signing this budget with all of these amnesty poison pills in it and then going to court for your national uh, for your emergency declaration because my concern is that I never bought the idea of, well, you know, if we do this at all, then what will the Democrats do? I don't care. They have no restraint at all. I'm not worried about that. My concern is that we aren't really having a border argument now. We're having an appropriations argument. The president's problem with this bill is not that it doesn't address the border. It's that it doesn't do, because he signs off on all the other democratic policies towards the border. It's that they don't give him enough money for the part of the policy that he is most in favor of. And now my concern is we are now going to tell the courts, yes, uh, settle appropriations for us now as well. Why don't you, why don't you tax and spend while you're at it? That's about the last thing we have it declaring war 
and taxing and spending are literally the last two things we have told the courts have not we've not allowed them to do. And I am concerned we're about now to set the precedent of letting them do that, too. And, and notice we were quite close to the courts now saying a government shutdown is unconstitutional and then the, the courts just passing a budget. They declined to do that, but there were lawsuits and they thought that they might be able to get there. So that means next time around they will. You're absolutely right. Trump should have gotten up there and said, I am commander in chief. 200 years of case law say that nothing stands before a sovereignty. It's inherent foreign commerce policies. I've written 2000 word essays on this. There's reams of case law you could cite that are very crisp and consumable to the public of how he he has absolute authority from blocking anyone from landing on our shores. The emergency is stopping the flow, stopping the catch and release. Um, it's the cartels. It's beefing up the military. You know, our friend Chip Roy, Congressman Mark Green from Tennessee, just circulated a letter um, asking their members, colleagues to join them and sending a letter to Secretary of State Pompeo to designate the cartels as terrorist group. I, I believe it's an emergency. I've been making that case. I've had people on my show showing that the president's been awfully quiet since he declared an emergency. Yeah. I mean, if it's an emergency, don't we have actions? What are we doing? We declared we an doing? emergency five days ago. What have we done the last five days and, to show it's an emergency? And to be clear, Steve, I still agree with the president that it is, although he's not even saying what I'm saying, but it's not a justiciable question of whether it's an emergency. If you read the statute, it's not something that he has to show a legally enforceable um, formula towards creating that. It's a political question whether it rises to the level of an emergency that needs to be dealt with in the political realm. But the president himself admitted that they're the king over that. So again, you're right. He's not helping his case in front of them by not demonstrating on all cylinders. He needs to fire on all cylinders of, of this issue and demonstrates emergency. If you only do it to kvetch out a couple billion in appropriations for something that happens to be your most symbolic campaign promise. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he got up and announced his his uh, declaration. He's, his first thing was, this is not about a campaign promise. Then he said, so, I didn't. Then he said, I didn't have to do this. OK, I, I mean, I don't understand. I don't understand any of that. That makes no sense to Steve, me. I can't make the case better than the man himself. I, I agree. You know, I know. I know. I, man. I mean, that, that, I know. That's the problem. I know. I, I just throw my hands up, you know, at some point. And, I hear uh, you. But 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 that's the thing. We're left with the, the courts are winner take all here. And, uh, you know, if you're waiting on Kavanaugh and, and Roberts, I got some uh, property to sell you in, in Cancun. Daniel Horowitz, our good friend uh, from right here uh, at The Blaze. Uh, he is our weekly prophet of woe and lamentation. Good to see you, brother. Thank you. Take care. Take care. Hey, if you struggle uh, to get started each day or you hit that midday crash uh, and you're, you've picked up that, that one little thing you've seen on TV with a little bottle, you ever turn it over, try to read all the ingredients in that? And you're like, I don't know these words. Yeah, yeah, there's a reason for that. Don't, don't, don't do any of that. Don't put any of that stuff in your body, okay? Uh, doesn't mean our bodies don't need, you know, East of Eden, don't need some energy boost every now and then, but get it from the source that nature and your creator intended. And that's what our friends at uh, Brickhouse Nutrition have put together. They're a team of physicians that are looking to fuel and energize your body the creator's way. And they've got a fantastic product. I use it as well. It's called From Dawn to Dusk. No crashes, no come downs, um, and it really works. Uh, and I... I rave about this. I, I, you know, when I tell you I like something, 
I'm, I never lied to you. I like it. I really like this. Uh, I would highly recommend it. And you can check it out right now by visiting BrickHouseSteve.com. So you can get a bottle of this groundbreaking formula. And if you use my name, Steve, as a promo code, you'll get 15% off of your first order. All right. So BrickHouseSteve.com. Promo code Steve for 15% off your first order at BrickHouseSteve.com. Aaron, how how emergency see how emergency do you feel right now? Do you feel like there's a national emergency happening at the border right now? Oh man, uh, no. I, I also don't have time for this because I got a I got a, a round of nine holes uh, that I got to play here in a little bit. So so yeah, I, not not too much of an emergency. Why do you ask? You feeling any uh, emergency happening? Feel to you like there's a national emergency at the border at all? You're watching uh, government other, mobilize among other places. Yeah, I mean, I, I, if you want us to believe there's an emergency, then I think you need to act like it. Mobilize. What, what, are they, what have they done the last five days? Do you, does anybody know? Play golf, literally. Hour two is next. All right, we're back with Hour 2 here, live and on demand and on The Blaze. Here, I am Steve Dace, alongside Todd and Aaron. 888-900-3393 is the number. 888-900-3393. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. You can like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter, at Steve Day Show. Last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. Coming up uh, in a few minutes, today's Truth Bomb, uh, as well as uh, the rest of the hour, we'll play our little game called Buy, Seller, Hold. Who knows? What cornucopia of topics we will touch upon. You know, I mentioned, though, at the top of the first hour, we love to support uh, righteous uh, causes and stances here on the show. Uh, One such person that uh, we're trying to lend some support to is Miss Victoria Hurst. She's taking one of the one of the toughest stances you can possibly take. That's standing up to your own blood. Uh, she's part of the family of William Randolph Hearst, one of their uh, properties. is Cosmopolitan Magazine. And she has grown increasingly concerned in recent years how it has tended to more of, uh, I guess we'll call it uh, adult uh, style of entertainment, despite the fact it's still marketed at our daughters, like Todd's, mine, yours. Uh, and she wants it treated, hey, if it wants to do Playboy-like content, that it should be shielded from minors, just as Playboy is. If this is a, a cause you'd like to lend your voice to, uh, visit our website, Cosmo Hurts kids.com that's h-u-r-t-s cosmo hurts kids.com all right today's truth bomb brought to you by my new book truth bombs confronting the lies conservatives believe to our own demise available right now but especially at amazon.com you can go there right as we're doing this get your copy today uh do it for the children mine uh, you can also leave a five-star review if you like the book uh, and you like how uh, we kind of drop uh, the bombs on you. Leave us a five-star review there at Amazon. Many of you have done that already. Thank you. Uh, but please keep those coming. It helps us to convince other people they should also uh, send my kids to Disney this Christmas. Today's truth bomb is this news story. He should consider a primary challenge to the president. Ed O'Keefe spoke with the governor at the Maryland State House this morning. Ed is in Washington. Ed, good morning. Good morning, John. 62-year-old Governor Hogan has won supporters on both sides of the aisle for his straight-talking style. In recent months, he's renewed his concerns about President Trump. This week, for example, Maryland became the only state led by a Republican governor to sue the Trump administration over the national emergency over border security. 
you know, I, I think the president made some real mistakes here, and I don't think it, uh, declaring this, uh, using the declaration of emergency powers is the right thing to do, and I think it should be challenged. So in your view, it's not a national emergency? Well, it's certainly not. We've exaggerated uh, the, what's going on at the border, but we do have some issues down there. And here's my dad. Standing up to a president of his own party is something the governor learned from his father, former Congressman Lawrence Hogan. Republicans were mad as heck at him for decades, really, some of them, and never, you know, the, the White House was pretty furious. But in retrospect, people say, man, what courage. Who in 1974 became the first Republican congressman to publicly call for Richard Nixon's impeachment. No man, not even the president of the United States, is above the law. I probably learned more about integrity in one day from watching my dad during that crisis. Uh, than most people learn in a lifetime. Now, Hogan believes many in today's Republican Party have forgotten his father's lesson. I do believe that there are people in Congress and other leaders in the Republican Party uh, who, who have not stood up when they disagree or when they think that the president is doing something wrong. I've not been afraid to do that. Well, let me ask you this, since you're such a straight shooter. <laughs> is the president fit to be president? Look, I'm not in any uh, position to judge the the uh, the fitness of the president. You know, I've been pretty clear. I don't like uh, the tone that the president uses. I, I, I think there are times where he acts irrationally and and makes decisions that are not only not uh, and, and and does things in a way that aren't great for the Republican Party or for the country or for him and his agenda, for that matter. I mean, I think sometimes he can be his own worst enemy. So, are you thinking about running? for president 2020? I was just sworn in a month ago uh, for my second term. Um, I've got a lot of work to do here in Maryland. Wow. I would say I'm being approached from a lot of different people. Um, and I guess the best way to put it is I haven't thrown them out of my office. In 2016, Hogan was one of the most high-profile Republican office holders to withhold support for then-candidate Trump's nomination. And little has changed. Would you support him for re-election? I, I don't uh, see uh, how my position would change much from before. I haven't uh, become more supportive than I was four years ago. I would say uh, the election is nearly two years away. Uh, I don't know who the nominees in either party are going to be. You say you're not certain who the nominees are going to be. Do you know something we don't about the president? Not yet. Um, Do you know who they're both going to be? No, I think it's fair. <laughs> if the special counsel report, though, came back and found pretty troubling evidence against the president, would that be a moment at which maybe you have to think... Somebody has I to think step. well. I, I don't want to speculate. I think you would see a number of potential uh, challengers uh, in the Republican Party consider jumping in. So, if anything, you're issuing him a warning. Mm, I the numbers it. keep going. I didn't down. mean it like that. I'm, I was giving him some friendly advice. Hogan is set to take on a far more prominent role in the coming months as head of the National Governors Association. As part of that job, he's scheduled to visit Iowa. At a report courtesy of CBS News. So here, here is today's truth bomb. There is no market in the Republican Party for what Larry Hogan is offering on a national level. There is no market for it. Now, when you watch that report, um, he's, he's, he's John Kasich in a far less annoying packaging. Like that's actually, you get the sense that's actually a real dude yeah. that if he had no idea what his politics were and, you know, you just rolled into, uh, you know, Buffalo Wild Wings on an NFL Sunday and you, you, got, you think you guys could kind of just sit there together and watch some games. Okay. But what he's selling there, 
there is no market for this. Um, not in, not on a national level in the Republican Party, there's not. I, I, I think there might be a lot of Americans that would love that outside of the two-party system. But, but let me give you an example of why there's no market for what he's selling. I'm looking at a story from last year, okay, um, or from 2017. Uh, Maryland, uh, Maryland's governor, Larry Hogan, allowed a bill. See, what the, what the state of Maryland did, uh, its Democratic legislature, is they passed a piece of legislation that said, should Republicans defund Planned Parenthood on a national level? <laughs> they actually thought the Republicans might do that. <laughs> oh, silly baby killers. Uh, anyway, they passed a bill that said, should Republicans actually... Keep their 37-year promise to the base this time to defund Planned Parenthood. The state of Maryland's treasury would replace that money. So the Maryland taxpayer would fill the hole in Planned Parenthood of Maryland's budget left to them by the federal government. And you're going to assume I'm going to tell you that Larry Hogan signed that bill into law. No, it's, it's actually worse than that. What, what Larry Hogan did is he allowed it to become law without his signature and then turned around and reiterated, um, I oppose abortion on a personal level. Ask President Romney if that works. That's never going to work. And what's going to happen is Trump's political operation is going to point to his statements uh, at the State of the Union address attacking uh, the infanticide bill in New York. Uh, His um, uh, reinstalling of the Mexico City policy. They're going to look at all of, they're going to drop all that and they're going to get to the right of Larry Hogan on this issue. Uh, And it's the number one driving issue in the Republican base. If if you, if you overturn Roe versus Wade, you know, Republicans struggle to get 50% of the Catholic vote. Now they'd get, what do you think, Todd? 35, 40% without Roe v. Wade drops at least 10, 15 points. It's a fair conversation starter right there. Yeah. I'm going to put the over-under, all right? Predict that markets over-under percent drop in Catholic vote among Republicans with no Roe v. Wade at 12 points. That's the over-under. By the way, how many times have Republicans won the White House without winning the Catholic vote? Only once. And it was the year George W. Bush did it because he won the state of Florida by 537 hanging chats and losing the popular vote at the same time. It, It doesn't happen. In the, in the post-Roe v. Wade era, it does not happen that a Republican wins the White House without Catholics, okay? So right away, Trump's going to get to the right of him on this. And his candidacy in a primary will be over right there, right there. It won't matter what else he says literally about anything. 
He'll rack up all kinds of appearances on CNN and MSNBC, and he'll be a lot better at him than John Kasich, who's not a human being, but like a construct of what would be like the most annoying personality traits you could sanctimonious hypocrisy, uh, claiming you have a direct line uh, to God, okay, um, in order to inflict and impose your sanctimony uh, and hypocrisy upon us, right? Essentially, John Kasich is the elitist version of what you see there from Larry Hogan. So he has no chance at all. If, if you are in the Trump political operation, you want him to primary you. You want John Kasich to do it. You want Jeff Flake. You want somebody like that to do it. But Steve, presidents who get primaried never win re-election. Well, if you look at it since the advent of the two-party system, that has been true. But all of those primaries have something in common. And if you look at it, it's the same of both Republicans and Democrats. Ted Kennedy primary Jimmy Carter from the left. Pat Buchanan primary George H.W. Bush from the right. Ronald Reagan primary Gerald Ford from the right. Since the advent of the two-party system, I mean, the, 19, the 1912 election was essentially a primary, just played out in a national election. And that was Teddy Roosevelt's progressives didn't like the fact William Howard Taft had turned the party much more conservative. So he ran as a third-party candidate. That was essentially a Republican primary, and it split enough of the vote that it helped Woodrow Wilson become the president of the United States. So every other time we have seen this intra-party fight play out nationally, it has always been the insurgent candidate has been primarying the incumbent from the direction of the base. Meaning this is a sign that the incumbent has lost his base. Name a, Who wins elections when they've lost their base, guys? Do you, how many times do you win an election when you lose your base? Do you know? Mm, President Mitt Romney. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it, yeah, you're right. It's zero. You never win when you lose your base. Never. It's impossible. So all of these other, and if you want to technically put Taft in there, I, I'm okay with it. Even though it was a general, it was the same basic dynamic. Uh, every other time a president has been primaried and has then lost since the advent of the two-party system, it's because the primary candidate represented the fact he was a symbol, a manifestation of the incumbent losing his base. His base has abandoned him because he abandoned his base. This would be the first time that we have ever seen a candidate as an incumbent, primaried against the direction of his base. These guys all want to attack him from the left. That's the best thing that could happen to Donald Trump. That is the absolute best thing that could happen to him. One, he's going to spend most of this year without a substantive fight because he just surrendered it on the budget. So he could, he needs he could use a foil. He could use a cons. He could use something other than witch hunt. He could use something other than that. Okay. Two, these guys are going to attack him from the left. Well, he's not nice enough. I mean, I didn't even point out in that clip. Larry, if Larry Hogan thinks there's an audience to go around the um, go around the country and make the case to Republican base voters that everything at the border is capiche. Good luck with that. <laughs> okay. All right. Good luck with that one. I, I, I mean, that's that again, whoever's, whoever's coming to your offices 
and uh, Larry and and telling you to consider this, I want to give you two options to consider about this advice. A, they just need a job really bad. Or B, you so dumb for real. All right, this has no chance. There is an avenue to appeal Trump or to I'm sorry to primary Trump, but it is from the right. You'd have to hit him from the right. But even there, there's ample room to hit him from the right. But the problem you would have then is CNN and MSNBC isn't interested in letting you attack him from the right. What's one of the rules of cable news, guys? You're not allowed to, in general, you're not allowed to attack Trump from the right. And on an isolated incident, an individual show, you know, a guy like a Tucker Carlson may let somebody on to hit Trump from the right when he's really pissed at Trump for doing something he doesn't like. But by and large, system systemically on any of the networks, you're not holistically permitted to attack Republican leadership from the right, only from the left. So there's no way, no way, Larry, tell me, tell me what media outlets give Larry Hogan or anybody, well, it wouldn't be Larry Hogan, let's say a Ben Sass. Tell me what platform with influence, we, some of us would, and on, on the blaze, Fox would pretend like Ben Sass was never elected senator. Drudge would be like, isn't he the rectum never knew him? Rush would be like, what's a Sass? Never heard of it. Okay. So the problem you would have is even though there are, there are much more effective arguments to make the primary Trump from the right, the platform by which you would be granted access to the Republican base to do that is pretty limited. So, this is um, all these people that want to primary from the left. What it really tells you is they're living in, they're living in a world most of the Republican base is not living in, and they are consuming advice and information from sources that are anathema to estranged with most of the Republican base. They have absolutely no chance, and all they will do is actually make Donald Trump a stronger presidential candidate. Hey, when was the last time you had your ears professionally cleaned? Because based on that clip I just watched from CBS News, I think they could use a lot of ear cleanings in the state of Maryland right now. Um, have you ever? You have itchy ears, not just the biblical kind, like the real ones. Uh, ear pain, maybe that plugged up feeling, particularly this time of year with the winter that will not end. Check out WaxRx because now you can get uh, physician-developed technology without a prescription that safely and effectively removes earwax buildup then soothes your ear with a pH-conditioned formula. No more expensive trips to the doctor or long waits in the doctor's office with WaxRx. Go to the website, usewaxrx.com right now. Usewaxrx.com. Use offer code radio at checkout for free shipping at usewaxrx.com. Offer code radio at checkout for free shipping. Usewaxrx.com. Let's get to it. This week's edition of Buy, Sell, or Hold. Aaron, vis-a-vis you and the audience, will put out a series of statements, predictions at all on various topics and issues. Uh, Todd and I will then decide, are we buying that, selling that, Hopefully with at least one legitimate reason why. Once per episode, we are permitted to put a hold on something. But if we do it for any other reason other than what you're asking us to respond to is frankly beneath contempt because it's so lame, then we will be mercilessly mocked and flogged as the dude code commands for failing to take a stand. Aaron, the floor is yours. 
Oh, thank you, Steve. We'll start out with uh, Nick, who actually has a couple of submissions. I should just pretty, pretty much consult with this guy on uh, Buy, Sell, or Hold, because he seems to be pretty good at this. Um, in the unlikely event that Trump is not the 2020 GOP nominee, Nikki Haley would sweep all of Steve's identified swing states. Um, I'm going to say buy. Because I think it's it's a tall task to sweep them all for anybody. But I think it's more likely she could pull it off than not. How much more likely? Is it 51-49? Is it 55-45? I mean, I, I can't say that until we saw how she performed on a daily basis on the camp tra- campaign trail. But I will tell you this. In my career, I've never met the woman. I don't know her at all. I know some people that do know her but I have never met her. So I have no personal stake in this on any level. I'm just giving this assessment as an observer. In my career, I have not seen a Republican of national standing who is as automatically on message as she is. She is a Roy freaking Hobbs. I mean, I, 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 there, I don't see, there's not an at bat where she doesn't tear the cover off the ball. And that's, that is frankly a lot of this gig. A lot of this gig is the word war, the air war. A lot of the president, not, and, and not just winning the presidency, a lot of the president's presidency itself is the command of the bully pulpit. So, I mean, she is, she is absolutely on point. She threads needles. Her timing is exquisite. I saw, I saw someone who identifies themselves as a salon conservative today claim that she's trying to play the same game Marco Rubio. Oh, no, she's not. She has mosted that game. Marco Rubio couldn't hold her jockstrap. He's nowhere near as instinctively talented and self-aware as she is. Nowhere near. Now he's got the, you know, she's got the bio too, but he's got the powerful bio and those dimples and that million dollar smile, but he doesn't have, he's nowhere near her in political instinctiveness. I'm talking Tom Brady level of instincts politically. Okay. Where you, your instincts and self-awareness are so much better than everybody else's. It doesn't matter if you're not 6'5", like Peyton Manning was. It doesn't matter if you don't have the cannon arm Cam Newton has. It doesn't matter if you can't run the ball, uh, you know, uh, you know, the way a lot of these younger quarterbacks can. You're, you're a play ahead of everybody else every snap. Maybe a good, another analogy would be a Larry Bird kind of a talent. I just and I just I'm, I I I marvel at it just as a guy that's done a lot of consulting and work in this area that she's a generational political talent when it comes to instincts and the difference too is I think what's helped her is being the governor of a state like South Carolina is that she has to on some level understand the the, the red meat native tongue even if she doesn't necessarily share that level of conviction on the issues, she's at home in that habitat. Marco Rubio, Marco Rubio never was. So I, I, I see a generational level political talent. So I would buy. Um, I'll sell. I've got to take the field. 
prepare to be disappointed by everyone. Um, I, well, I think that's a different conversation. I'm not saying she's good. I don't know if she's any good. I wasn't asked that. I was asked if she could sweep that map. That's what I was asked. Well, that and but I was answering within that concept. Pete, okay. compared to that, that that that's too much to ask for any one person based on the okay. in general what people prove to be. And it's one thing uh, to be uh, in the field as she is now, and it's another thing to be running as president of the United States. Keep in mind, though, the stuff she's doing now is what the guy who's president of the United States was was doing in twenty fourteen. In 2015, too. And that played a huge role into launching his career. And I think she's doing it a hell of a lot better. Oh, I agree with that. I agree with that. Okay. So Uh, hold on. Would we at least agree at this? She's, she has, she has greatly widened her potential margin for error. Would we at least agree on that? Oh yeah, sure, sure. That she's clearing some brush. Would we at least agree on that? Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm just, I'm sticking to the taking everything. Um, I don't, I got it. You got to account for the feet of clay at some point okay all right all right next one from nick he says on the life issue whoops on the life issue unplanned will move the needle more than the undercover videos did i will buy that having seen the movie twice i will buy it well first of all i haven't even seen it and i'm gonna buy it well i i i the planned parenthood videos didn't move the needle at all yep i mean they we are literally watching there i was watching media people refer to them as selectively edited yesterday on Twitter when the federal courts that are looking at the Delayden case having actually yep. rendered the judge in the case actually rendered the verdict there was no evidence that the videos were were edited they were whatsoever forensically investigated yeah, yeah, and that, found no alteration they found them to be completely authentic yes so uh, let me say this as 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 someone who's seen the movie and is a fan of it a fan of the of the film it should not be true the, the the Planned Parenthood videos should have been yep. the Uncle Tom's cabin here. It, it exactly. should have it, it should have it should have had the effect of watching uh you know black folks get hosed down by high pressure, you know, water hoses in the South in the fifties and sixties. It you know, it should have it should have had that impact. It had virtually no impact. And I I couldn't believe it, actually. So this movie doesn't have to have much of an impact to exceed the impact of the Planned Parenthood videos. The The bar is a very, very low. So even if you haven't seen the movie, tell me what impact the Planned Parenthood videos really had, which I'm not happy to say, and I find it tragic. And it's one of the reasons why, even though I still believe in it as a strategy, you don't see me harp on the personhood angle of this any longer. Because one of the reasons why I used to do this a lot is we were running out of time to make the case that is really our main case. When is a life a life? When is a person a person? But I always told you guys, we would soon come to the point that that the child killing, if we didn't win this argument within this window, we would come to the point that the child killing industry would say, we don't care what a person is. We just want to be able to kill people. We're there. We're there. The Planned Parenthood video showed by the fact it didn't shame a soul. It didn't shame any Republicans to any substantive action on any level. It didn't shame any abortionist whatsoever on any level. That's to me, that's a demonstration now that we are there. We have, we have arrived at that point. Okay. And so the argument that the unplanned movie makes, and I'm not going to spoil the movie on any level because I think you have to experience it to truly understand its potency for yourself. 
But the argument that the Planned Parenthood video or the, that the unplanned movie is going to make is the next level of pro-choicer. There's pro-aborts and then there's pro-choicers. And the pro-choicers are who undergird the pro-aborts. There aren't enough true pro-aborts to have sustained this Holocaust for 46 years. It's the people like, oh, you know, I don't know, but what if I get a girl pregnant? Or what if my boyfriend gets me pregnant, you know? And it's those people. They have been the collaborating enablers of this that have kept it alive all this time. This movie is for them. This movie is going to force them to go behind the scenes and actually watch what it is they have been, oh, I don't knowing about all this time. Are you fully, are you make just, just to make sure you're fully on board with this, fully on board. Because you're going to watch, this is why the movie's rated R. You're going to see how they got those baby parts. You're going to see. Are you willing to, oh, I don't know, once you do. So because of the bar being low, Todd, I'm going to buy. I understand, but I am also going to sell same logic as before, total depravity. I was as certain as anything in my entire life that the tide was going to turn because of those, uh, the delight in videos. I was certain of it. And here we are. Uh, so I, I'm putting my faith on God's lessons he's teaching us about total depravity. I, I, dear God, I hope I'm wrong. Uh, one more quick one before we uh, get to our next live read, Steve. Um, Blair Richard says Captain Marvel underperforms but doesn't tank. Brie Larson's big woke, hashtag woke mouth, finally derails the MCU. Sell. Yeah, that's sell. Yeah, it, it'll be, it'll, this is going to be a replay of Black Panther where the promotion of the film will promote how woke it is, but the film itself won't be nearly as wokey as, they're being le- as you're being led Correct. to believe. Hey, it's bad enough you let your IRS problems ruin last year. Uh, don't let them ruin it this year as well. Get help from our friends at Optima Tax Relief because you need to consider what's at stake when the IRS has you in its sights. Your paycheck, your bank account, your business, even your home. If you're smart, you'll know better than to deal with the IRS alone. Get the experts that over the years have saved their clients nearly a billion with a B, nearly a billion dollars. You are a hardworking American. Your family, paycheck, bank account is worthy of protecting, and Optima Tax Relief is here to protect you and them. Call for your free consultation while you still have the option to do so. 800-699-6140. That's 800-699-6140 for Optima Tax Relief. More buy, sell, or hold on the other side. Stay tuned. Homeowners, beware. Every time you hear about a data breach at a major bank, uh, hotel chain, et cetera, understand that that could put you at risk because even if you have identity theft protection, and you should, uh, that doesn't protect secondary assets like your home. Let me give you an example. Say a major bank was just breached and now they have a checking account number, maybe a last four digit uh, of a social security number, uh, some other identifier that you use when you go on a website that would pay a mortgage or a bill or claim that you are you, now scammers have that information too. So they log on to your county assessor or recorder site, claim that they're you with this identifying information, forge a signature, and before you know it, they've refiled your home and they're the ones now getting the HELOC, the refi. They're the ones getting the equity that belongs to you. Maybe they're taking away 
the home itself. That doesn't have to be your sob story. Don't let it happen to you, especially with Home Title Lock here. To put a virtual barrier around your home's title for just pennies a day. And who knows, your home could already be targeted, already vulnerable. Uh, Find out for free with a free title scan and report at HomeTitleLock.com. Normally, that's a $100 value, but it's free today for our family at The Blaze at HomeTitleLock.com. Let's continue with this week's edition of Buy, Sell, or Hold. Aaron. All right. Next one comes from Ben Carstens, who says, Within a year, a group will petition for the removal of the John Wayne birthplace signage in Winterset, Iowa. Totally buy that. Sure. So Bye. for folks that don't know this, and, and I on purpose have not investigated this. Just so, <laughs> Agreed. Just, just so I can have an excuse to not comment on something so asinine. But this is a this is a Playboy interview that he gave in 1971. When he was in his 60s. When he was in his 60s. 60s or 70s, yeah. Because he died in like 1980, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, and this is where he used a, a homophobic slur. Yep. And uh, I don't, okay, whatever. Um a guy born in uh, 09, when he was in his 60s, made a homophobic slur. See, I, I think y'all the have, magazine. I think Blade. y'all. I think y'all have this John Wayne thing wrong. This guy should be applauded for his wokeness. Yeah. This guy was the face of traditional American values and masculinity to a, a majority of Americans for the first 50 years of this country of this century, of the last century, and he's doing interviews in Playboy before. In 1971, uh, be, before Hugh Hefner was the, was was a, a, a national, uh, uh, he was not a national voyeur, but a, a trailblazer. Before Larry Flint was a man that we made movies about, and and John Wayne uh, saw into the future to dare to see where most Americans would go. For their news and stuff. If you ask me, I, I think this is rather progressive of John Wayne to be speaking of Playboy in his 60s as well. Uh, as early as 1971, I, I, I think he ought to be given credit for, I think, blazing a trail here, so to speak. I hate this game. Or maybe I should say blazing a saddle, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Uh, <laughs> See what I did there? Uh, yeah. <laughs> We broke Todd. It's a good day. (laughs) Up next, Joe says uh, Cory Booker will be the first senator to drop out. Mm, uh, File at this point. You're buying? Tell me why. Because I would have said yesterday about the... as much estrogen as he does have pumping through his body, it's not going to be enough for the moment. uh, It's those gals. It's going to be one of them. See, that was my original thinking too. But. I, I see when I, I see there's a, Kamala Harris gives me a Hillary Clinton vibe. She's just not. I white. disagree. I, I I think she's she. I just if if she put out a perfume, it would be ruthless. I mean, I, she just gives me a, a vibe yeah. of just just cunning, she'll, ruthless. Yeah, that's what I said last yes. week. She'll cut you. Yeah, Elizabeth Warren is is an is an earnest. Um, is an earnest progressive to a to a total lack of self awareness that she believes like she'll just keep knocking on your door to try to get you to buy that popcorn or that soap you don't want 
And and you can't, there's like nothing you can say to insult her to make her go away because she is convinced this product will change your life and she'll just keep coming back. So like I, I can't see a point where she can be shamed out of the race other than the real when 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 it becomes real when when, it, when we get into the voting and, and if she doesn't win you know uh, something like that mm-hmm. but this year if hey it's Fortnite if that's not going to do it then i i think she is what was the what was it the gal at the daily wire described her as the woman at the end of your cul-de-sac the old grandma who drives a subaru liberal grandma who drives a subaru with, with suburban this, grandma yeah, yeah with a sign in your yard that says hate doesn't live here yeah. that's so right on the money yeah. I think Booker is is an is an imitation knockoff of a lot of I think I think he I think you know remember that meme from a few years ago what you think you see what other people see yeah. what actually is that is so Cory Booker I think he believes he is the is he's as ruthless as Kamala Harris is as earnest I think he views himself as being a a collection of all of these traits of these other candidates and he's he's a knockoff of them all. He is the uh, he's he's like um, um, the great value candidate. Is, is that the what is the Walmart home brand? Is it great value? Is that what it is? Or yeah, great value. He's the great value candidate. You know, he's just he's just not the same. And it should be him for that reason. But I could see him so willing to utterly humiliate himself that he'll have to be dragged off the front porch kicking and screaming. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Like, it, it it should be him. But I I, I, I just smell a, a, an air of desperation there that I... And it's not earnestness. Elizabeth Warren will keep asking you out when you've said no because she really... She's convinced that some Zodiac sign told you, told her, you guys were meant to be. Cory Booker's just that creeper, man, that just won't go away and has you considering transferring to another school. This is going to be the Hold My Beer Olympics. It's going to be glorious. So it should be him. So I'll say bye, but I I think the depths of how far he's going to have to be humiliated before he finally gets the hint. I, I don't think we've even scratched the surface of this. Okay. If he comes out in drag. That's oh yes. Excellent. Yes. Corey Hooker. Yeah. <laughs> uh moving on. Bradley Bacon, buy solar hold, Grinnell College men's basketball system. The Grinnell system, which is a full court press all the time. Uh it's a very, very fast paced offense and a five substitute or a, a five person substitution every minute or so. Yeah, it's essentially the old Loyola Marymount system. Yep. That they ran back in the day. Uh, with the old Lakers coach. And it's great basketball, especially at that level. It's fun yep. to watch. So, you know, if you're telling me, if if I were if I were taking over a program like, say, Rutgers in the Big Ten, or a program um, like Georgia Tech in the ACC. Now, Georgia Tech's a program that's been to national championship games and Final Fours and has had some, some success. But with bringing Louisville and Syracuse in that conference now, two other great all-time traditional powers, they're kind of getting squeezed in terms of what their wiggle, what their breathing room is. And they need, to me, I think you need a gimmick. And the reason I chose Rutgers and Georgia Tech, even though Georgia Tech has a lot better basketball tradition, they both are surrounded by tons of athletes, New Jersey and Atlanta, Georgia. And so if I were coaching in a program like that, 
That's what I would do to try and reinvent that program. It's kind of the opposite of what Dick Bennett did at Wisconsin, which was I, I'll never recruit the athletes to outscore Michigan, Indiana. So we're just going to literally beat the hell out of these. You read guys. my mind. I was going to bring okay. Dick. It's Bennett. kind of the inverse of that. Yeah. Now, if I was, you know, I, that, if I was at a North Carolina, Duke, Kansas, Kentucky, Michigan State. Indiana, although I'm Indiana, given where their program's headed now, they yeah. may need a gimmick like this. But, you know, an all-time blue blood at UCLA, I wouldn't do this because it also makes you a lot more prone to being upset by lower-skilled teams, too. That's why That's why if you're beneath those teams, you want to go to a gimmick like this because it closes the talent gap. Well, it also then oh, it exposes you on the backside to being upset by teams not as good as you. And so you, since you're always going to recruit better players most of the time than those other schools, you don't need any gimmicks like this. You just put those guys in the best position to show that they're a better brand of player. But if I were another, if I were a rung or two below those kinds of programs, I would absolutely look at a gimmick like this, particularly if I'm having a hard time selling tickets. I got to give people a reason. Why do you want to trudge out in the wintertime you know, to watch a game when in the past maybe you haven't, this would be a reason why. So I'll buy. Yeah, I'll buy too. And I was thinking about Dick Bennett. He, pound for pound, uh, one of the greatest coaches of all time of any sport, in my estimation. His understanding of uh, both the game of basketball and just how you how you survive within a particular atmosphere. I I remember vividly when um, the year after uh, the, the Badgers went to the Final Four, two thousand, and uh, then Kansas's coach Roy Williams was uh, in charge of the rules committee, and his I still remember the quote vividly uh, about changing uh, to a, a less intense defensive style. And he said, quote, I love Dick Bennett, uh, but we don't really want basketball like that. What kind of basketball do you want, Roy? I know you're uncomfortable with the kind where a team like Wisconsin makes it to the Final Four and you never do with your Blue Bloods. So, yeah, as long as there's not ethical breaches in what happens uh, with the playing of the game, uh, your job as a coach is to figure out how to win within a particular atmosphere. And uh, up until that point in time, Dick Bennett was better than Roy Williams at it. So, yeah, this guy, Cradell, he got it figured out. You got to figure it out. That's your job as a coach. Well done. All right. Moving on. Uh, Mitch Boldman says now that Machado has signed a mega contract with the Padres, Bryce Harper will sign a deal, making him the highest paid major leaguer of all time. I'm going to sell. Buy. Baseball is that stupid. Buy. Uh, I'll buy. I'll buy as well. I think Harper's a better player. Didn't have as good of a year last year, but collectively as a career what he brings to the table. I think he's a better player and a better influence on an organization Agreed. than Manny Machado is. So yeah. I think, I think all the Padres so you think he's going to get a 10 year deal. Um, well, it may not be 10 years, but I think it will be at least 30 million a year. Okay. Yeah. I think Machado kind of set the market for with the baseline for, for finalizing a deal with Harper is now. Yeah. All righty. Uh, moving on. RC and the OC says the AAF will fold by 2022. I'm going to sell on the basis. I don't even think I'll make it that long. Now, this is this is interesting because um, and I, I, I said this when this was announced only about a year ago. And that this and if you go back and look at our show when we talked about this a year ago, I used this very analogy. That what I thought the what I thought the Alliance for American Football was was a classic strategy that I have seen the Republican Party do to conservatives in primaries numerous times, and that is once once a credible conservative um, 
mounts a primary challenge to an establishment candidate, put another conservative or two in the race, encourage them to run that really have no chance to win, but they will just split that insurgency vote. I've, I've, I've watched this play out. You know, one of, this, one of the hidden reasons Dave Bratt was able uh, to, to beat Eric Cantor is there was another conservative, and I wish I remember this gentleman's name. Um, there was another conservative in that race because I interviewed him and Brat both when they were running. Because I was, we had stations in the, in, that were uh, that, that were on our affiliate list in that district in Virginia. And there was another gentleman that was running, uh, and it was very thoughtful, well spoken, very likable. And you know what he did? He dropped out of the race and endorsed Dave Brat when he saw that Brat's metrics, campaign metrics, were superior to his. He's like, it's the most important thing here is to put somebody who really cares about the people in the office, whether it's me or, or, or David Bratt. So he dropped out of the race early enough for Dave Bratt to consolidate that conservative insurgency grassroots. If that had not happened, Dave Bratt would have never defeated um, Eric Cantor in that primary, would have never done it. So that's what the Alliance for American Football is. When they saw Vince McMahon was serious this time, to the point that he liquidated over $100 million of his own uh, stock uh, in his company uh, to invest in this league. And that, you know, he was going to put forth an, an effort to learn from the gimmicky mistakes that he did in the past, and this time do a legitimate football league. All of a sudden, they mount this effort, and they put it together this fast. Why'd they do it? Well, because the, the XFL is going to start a year from now. So they did this. They're trying to head Vince McMahon off at the pass. He's the conservative insurgent in this in this allegory. And the AAF is that second or third candidate. And then that guy always has like the big some big mainstream endorsement to make it seem like he's really the guy to go with. Okay, and that's what the AAF got. They're essentially being back channel funded by the NFL. Except the NFL didn't make them liquid enough to make payroll, and now they've got to go out and get the owner of the Carolina Hurricanes to invest. $250 million in this. And they got big name former coaches, Steve Spurrier, Rick Neuheisel, Bill Poley, and one of the great executives in NFL history is, is helping to run the league. Um, Dick Ebersol's son is its commissioner, maybe the greatest you know uh, television sports guru of all time. This is an attempt to head the XFL off at the pass, is what it is. Um, so I, I think the NFL will absolutely keep this thing going long enough to see if they can at least force a merger with the XFL to have some influence with it. So I'm going to sell that it will fold by then. Hmm. You both make compelling points. I, th- I think I'm going to go buy because that win do it 22. Yeah, that's just a little on the front end. But this is this goes back to the whole Tucker Carlson argument about capitalism. I mean, and see, without a vision, people perish. You, there, you can't. There's clearly no vision. If all of a sudden, then McMahon coming along gets you start thinking about this, you don't. There was clearly was there a market for this or not? Are you doing this only for market share? There is the, absolutely a market for it. I don't think there's. I don't. I'm as big a football fan as any of you guys have probably ever known. I, I don't. I can't get into it yet because I, you know, we just finished the NFL. I'm not, I'm not on my, I miss football thing yet. You know, we just had the Super Bowl. We have March Madness coming up. I'll be fascinated to see what the ratings are for this in the month of March when the whole country's attention is turned to one of the biggest events of the year. To me, the the market, the 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 opening is 
after March Madness up until, you know, mid-June. That's when we were buying all the magazines and, you know, you're reloading the rosters on NCAA football. That's when yeah. I think there's a huge market for this. I mean, the the the, the past couple of weekends of the uh, Alliance of American Football, so they had good ratings last week, their opening week, but that was one of their games was on network television right. over the air. Um this week, one of the games on TNT was a point three seven. Um, of, of just over a million people watched it. Eighth best show on Saturday, which was good, given all the other stuff that's going on. The key word there, supporting what Steve's saying, all the other stuff's going on there. Mm-hmm. There was a big basketball game. Um, there was uh, uh, the NBA All-Star game, college basketball game, big day of college basketball. So there's just so many other things going on. There would be a market opening, I think, a little bit more after the uh, after March Madness. So, Hey, if you could hit that, uh, that 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock crash today at work, uh, don't get one of those little bottles with all those chemicals you can't pronounce. Do this. Get the energy uh, the old-fashioned way, the, na- the way nature and your creator intended. Check out From Dawn to Dusk. I use this product on a regular basis. I love it. I'm a huge believer in it. I've seen huge uh, dividends and benefits uh, in my own life. And no digestive side effects, uh, no crashing, no come downs, no jitters, none of the other things that may or may not happen to you when you start putting those chemicals in your body. Do this the old-fashioned way with the stuff that comes from nature and our creator. And that's the focus of the physician-led team at Brickhouse Nutrition. So if you want to check out From Dawn to Dusk on your own, use my name as a promo code at BrickhouseSteve.com and you'll get 15% off. If you go to BrickhouseSteve.com, promo code Steve, get 15% off of your first order of From Dawn to Dusk today. Um. Uh, yeah, I think the NFL is going to be too stubborn to let it go. It's on their mm-hmm. channel. It'll, I mean, if, if you started this league to launch it, to head off Vince McMahon at the pass, how many you're more? then going to admit defeat to Vince McMahon? I don't see that, Aaron. How, how many more $250 million infusions, though? Like they had to get emergency infusions of cash. Are they going to... Are they going to be able to hold out for? That's a good point, too. Long for, so I don't know. Uh, that's a good point, too. And they had to go outside the NFL to get that Yeah, one. Yeah, that's a good yeah. point, too. All right, thanks for tuning in today. We are back at it again tomorrow. Don't forget the Blaze Roundtable coming up later. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network. Oh, 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 oh,